With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. My name is Mae Wilkinson and tonight I'm filling in for Marianne Russo who's taking some time off. Also joining me is Chuck Wally, our co-moderator, and Barb Dietrich, who will be manning our tweet chat tonight. Our guest this evening is Anne Barbano, writer, producer, and director of Living the Autism Maze. Released five years ago, the Living with Autism Maze documentary was groundbreaking and served as a springboard for numerous discussions about autism, which up to that point hadn't happened much. At the conclusion of the film and its premiere, people were leaving with tears in their eyes, some with smiles, and all with provocative questions and a sense of wonder. Anne's latest effort is hosting The Next Frontier, the first Vermont Autism, Disabilities, and Diagnosis radio program. We are thrilled to have Anne here to share her insights related to how autism efforts have evolved over time and where they are likely to be headed in the future. Welcome, Anne. Well, thank you for that introduction. That's very, very nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And let's start off a little bit by um, just kind of getting your motivation. Why did you um, decide to create that documentary, and how has your work evolved as part of it? Well, me, it really started, my son was diagnosed at age four. However, at age two, probably before two, I was looking for what's going on, the language isn't coming in, lots of meetings, lots of appointments. Um, it took a year for a diagnosis. We went three different times. And uh, by the time someone had asked me if I ever heard of autism, I said, you have to be kidding um, I mean, he doesn't look like he has autism, from what I had read about it. Um, long story short, he's at Triple E Early Education. It's it's for children that have some special needs with neurotypical children. And uh, as time went on, it felt as if we kept searching and searching for answers for uh, treatment or therapy. Wonderful people around us, but we were all learning together. And I remember saying to the speech therapist, I think I should make a film about this because it's as if we're all learning and we're we're trying to figure this out. You know, the system doesn't seem to be there. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was, I think, close to nine by the time I started filming this. I mean, many meetings later, I decided to make a documentary in Vermont that would uh, just talk to different families about systems and, and what's happening, and that's living the autism maze. And it is a maze. I, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Um, there, There is no navigation guide that will fit all of our children, and it's gotten better over the years, but it's still every parent is picking their way through therapies and therapists and different schools and different placement opportunities, and it is it's difficult. 
Well, after the documentary, you didn't stop there, Anne. You you began to uh, work on your radio show, which is called The Next Frontier. Yes, The Next Frontier. Mm-hmm. And What's May, it's, it is Autism Disabilities and Diagnoses. I decided uh, I had an opportunity to do a radio show. It was a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on my fourth year. And uh, what I, I wanted to embrace all disabilities because I felt, at least with my son and from some of the uh, people I, w- I was meeting, that autism wasn't just one thing, that many people had comorbid conditions. Um, and we still really have a hard time defining autism, even today. I think a lot of people get confused because we have so many diagnoses that kind of look like autism. So I decided to embrace all disabilities. And actually the show started telling me that I should start to embrace diagnoses. Diagnosis. Um, you know, my, my I think it was my second show. I had two musicians on. And one had a brain injury, and one had schizophrenia. And I thought, wow, I'm, it's, it's becoming, it's more, it's the whole disability, ability, disorder world. I mean, what is normal, right? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, and I agree with you completely on the that, that autism seems to be a, a clump of different things, um, aggregated by symptom in different in many many different ways, and, and I also feel as though if we can help people with autism, we can help people with all sorts of disabilities just by our legislative efforts and, and awareness and understanding. And, and you've been doing quite a bit on the legislative front too, haven't you? Yes, and I've always been a bit of an activist. I think going back <laughs> to my college years, uh, and I think that was probably part of my personality, but I think when you have a child who has anything that's not the norm, um, I think most parents become involved in some way. And I think my advocacy um, really started, I think, with the film. I mean, I, I think I was always advocating for my son, but I think the film was a springboard. And um, And when I started doing the radio show, and even a few years before, just going down to the state house and um, finding out well, what is happening for people. How are they getting their therapies? What's the funding? Um, so it was a lot of research. Absolutely, uh, and, and it's tough. It's it's very tough. But I found that legislators tend to be open to to parents, to their constituents. Um, they may not uh, vote the way we want them to all the time, but I, I found that, that their doors are, are open to me for a phone call or an email or a quick chat, maybe with, with them or one of their staff members. Have you found the same thing? I I think I think what happens, I think everyone wants to do the right thing. I think because uh, legislators change, you know, every few years, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's uh, they have to quickly learn whether it's uh, autism, schizophrenia, mental health, I think they have to, uh, it's an awful lot of information to learn when you're listening to testimony. And they they sometimes uh, are listening to an awful lot of testimony in one day for different issues. And I felt my challenge, and I think uh, many people advocate for autism services, is to be able to present uh, the needs in a way that isn't, 
just looking for a handout that this is more of a, a civil right. You know, these these people who are diagnosed with any sort of disorder, disability, or um, need to have what is entitled to them. And I think that's where some of my radio shows, I began exploring really that maybe we are not um, always successful at getting the therapies that uh, our children deserve and need. You know, with the DD Act, you know, part of this was like going to law school for me. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um it, it's it's very difficult to know the ins and the outs of the laws and the procedures and and then what to do if those procedures are not followed. Not only is it confusing, it's also intimidating if you need to go up against uh, you know a, a, a school district uh, to try to get those services. And that's sort of one of the major issues that I saw threaded um, through some of um, the documentary that that I saw, and that was parent fear um, that just clearly and repeatedly shows the the fear that parents have uh, about the present environment of their children, and but mostly about the future. So, can you maybe speak to parent fear? What are some of the contributions, uh, where, where is some of that fear generated from, and where can parents turn? What's your advice to them? You know, I'm looking back, you know, this, is, this film is more than five years old now, and when it was made, it was uh, one in 166 children are being diagnosed with autism. Within six months, it was one in 150. Uh, in the past year or so, it's been one in 110. And I, I think in the film, um, what I really noticed was the parents who had very young children had the most fear. I, I'm not, I'm not sure fear is the right word. May um, the parents who have the older children were very articulate, very educated. They seemed to do a lot of research. They often had the funding, which was interesting. Some of that funding was cut later on, but they had the funding to actually go after. Uh, getting uh, therapeutic treatment from experts, what they found that the experts were not here. They were not here in this state, and probably across America, I mean, to be fair. But I was interviewing people in Vermont, and so they were finding, gee, I I have to go to uh, Dr. Greenspan. They have to travel, but they couldn't find people who could do that therapy here. And when they they wanted this, and they were told this would help their child, so you know, I may I don't have a lot of advice for people. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm really an interviewer. I'm a parent of a child with autism, but I do feel as if um, people could find out more what what they're entitled to, and and find out where they should go to get that funding and to to also get the uh, the therapies that they have to get for their child. I, I think waiting around for someone to give you, most people don't have case managers, and that was one of the things I learned through EPSDT, that uh, every family should have a, a case manager who uh, can go over your uh, therapeutic treatment that your child is supposed to get instead of you going it's not all IEP this is outside of school mm-hmm. so uh 
one of the things that I got involved with was autism insurance. I felt as if um, strongly that parents needed this in order to get their treatments. And I shouldn't use treatment. I guess it's their therapies. I and, and that's that's uh, as as you're talking. I think I'm uh, understanding you to say that, that the parents feel uh, kind of lost and maybe a little helpless because they can't access the people that they need. And part of that accessibility is, um, of course, having trained people close to them that they can access. So just the proximity of good help. But the other is also the financial accessibility which is greatly increased um, by having uh, some some of this uh, insurance reform that provides uh, reimbursement for services uh, needed for for some autistic individuals. Is that correct? Yes, and May, in the film, mm-hmm. there's a developmental pediatrician who he uses two key words. He talks about expertise and intensity. And really that that fits the main theme of this film. Are you finding the experts and are you getting the intensity that your child deserves and needs? So, you know, if you can't find those two things, your 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 child will not get better. They will get better when the state recruits providers and those providers can get paid. They're not going to come to a state where you don't have insurance for them. Mm-hmm. Or, or a mechanism for which they could get paid. So you'll find that Massachusetts has autism insurance. Uh, they have no caps right now on uh, age, so it's it's throughout the lifespan, and uh, there's not a cap on uh, on what your need is. It's just like with cancer or anything that you might need some treatment. They look at what you need. My child may have very different needs than your child. Maybe your child uh, won't access many of the therapies because they don't need them. Absolutely. And is that where the, this uh, case manager comes in to help the parent try to sort out what is needed and in what quantities, or do you think the parents can do that on their largely on their own? Well, I learned that through a show, actually. I had the Disability Law Project on in Vermont, and um, mm-hmm. I had a lawyer on it. I kept saying this is as if we're having a law class. It was a very interesting hour. And um, I had the director from the Developmental Disabilities Council on, who also has a law degree. So the three of us were on the radio talking about this, and she told me that actually you should be able to get a case manager, someone who is trained in getting you your therapies for your child. So they sit down, and that manager would be looking at, with you, what is it that your child is coming up short with? He's not speaking. You know, he's six years old, or he's, um, I'm trying to think, maybe he can't write, or he can't, you know, use his uh, hands well. Uh, maybe he has social problems. Maybe he's very aggressive and you need a behaviorist. And uh, this person should be able to help you find those those providers and, and help you maybe to set up a schedule. Uh, and a lot of people don't have that. Uh, most families have to actually go out and hire that. Sometimes their insurance will, will pay for that, and sometimes their Medicaid will pay for that. 
depends on the the funding stream. And the funding stream gets very, very complicated. I'm, I'm not even sure we can go over it within this hour. Yeah, I, I agree. I think some sort of an Uber guide would be wonderful. Most um, Most of the time there is something there, but those people are siloed. So you might have a, um, a resource teacher for the, um, the IEPs at school. You might mm-hmm. have a social worker to do the person centers plan. You might have a community liaison coordinator to help with a recreational plan, but there doesn't seem to be anybody that ties it all together. And that, you're right, would be a wonderful thing to, to try to make all of those silos work in, in concert with each other and to be relatively seamless. And I don't know anywhere in the country that that, that, that guide exists. Do you? Well, we, you know, in 2007, we, I, I worked on the autism plan. This is not insurance, but to, uh, to make a plan to have a plan. It was huge in Vermont. There was a lot of stakeholders involved and families uh, got together all through the state. And um, people were talking about the needs for adult services, for the teenagers, for their early childhood services. And uh, it's interesting. I think sometimes the case management came up. I think most people think of a case manager as a special educator at school, mm-hmm. um, they they don't think of someone who is actually helping you to access therapies for your child. Um, I found there was one point with my son who has he still has pretty severe verbal um, deficits, and I was looking for a speech therapist to come into the home. Found the person I wanted. The person had a behavioral background. I was so excited. And my special educator, who is a case manager at school, said, make sure she's part of Medicaid because Medicaid would pay for it. So I have to ask her if she's a Medicaid provider. And I called her and asked that question, and she said, no, I'm not. I said, gee, I can't afford $85 an hour at the time. This is years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I had to do without that. You know, my son had more severe needs 24-7, and we had to only use the school services, which are much less than if you were in therapeutic treatment. Agreed. I I think uh, that that mix of sort of the, the public and the private type of, uh, or at school and then at home and in the community, um, is a really, really great approach for our kids. And... Um, the parents, unfortunately, tend to have to knit it together and source um, things in the community and outside of school, and that's unfortunate. Um, one thing I, I did see that I wanted to ask you about is that some of the parents are saying that special education programs are often not successful, even though states spend as much as $150,000 per student. And uh, I, I noticed that, that they were talking about this before the Health and Human Services study, which was just released on the 4th of April, came out saying that, that some special ed programs are, are and therapies are, are not at all successful. Do you attribute that to, to the fact, well, I'm, 
I'm sure there are many reasons. Would, would you like to go in, into those as to why these therapies or therapists may not be successful? Uh, may at the time. Now, this, again, is five, six years ago, and you're mm-hmm. going to find families that are, are very happy with uh, the programs their child is in. Uh, I think it was the more severe needs children that were not getting the expertise and um, I think the state was looking at are are we are we recruiting providers who know how to do this? Do they have the expertise? Uh, it's a slow process. Uh, it's not as if it's doomsday here, but there's uh, there's still a learning curve. I, I go and speak at the university. You know, parents are called upon in a lot of different classes here. I'm in a university town, mm-hmm. and. Um, and even the uh, the college students will ask, well, what can we do to prepare? And I, I often tell them I think they should hang out with an autism family uh, while they're learning because it will. And I think people in medical school should do that too. Anyone who is treating any of these children um, who become adults should know more really about how they're they're um, how they're doing in their own environments. Um, I don't think I'm really answering your question, but to go back to no, I, I think that, but that's okay. I think that's that's what what we what we need to hear is that I the 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 study, and I don't know if you had the chance to look at it or not, but the study said that you know a number of the therapies aren't aren't working, and it may be because there's not the proper fit between the child and the therapist. It could be there's not enough of a therapy. It could be that there is the wrong therapy, but. Um, and sometimes it's it's an institutional one size fits all focus, so that right. when your child gets in, and um, he can't get out, um, so so some of those things tend to be self perpetuating, mm-hmm. and especially if um, therapists feel as though a child has to overcome one hurdle or meet one objective before he or she can go on to the next one, instead of trying to. Um, differentiate based upon learning skills or subject matter, that type of thing. So I think that we are seeing a number of parents who are just turning away from the institutions, even though they don't have costs, but they're turning away from them to homeschool or go to private schools or to seek out their own um, private means at their own expense if they have the money um, to kind of turn away from the institutions, which I think is a shame. Um, when you say institutions, public schools? I say public schools. I say, you know, some of the um, public schools is a really, really good example. Another are some of the, the other resources that might be available to the community, whether it's, um, you know, a, um, a community inclusion coordinator or, or recreational programs or special needs camps, those types of things are are just uh, some of your standard um, treatments or approaches for children with special needs. The the parents are kind of turning away from them because they've lost faith in their ability to help their kids. You know, it's so hard for me to generalize that because I think it's different in every state. Mm -hmm. I do think um, the programs have to be individualized for each child, and that's that's where I think autism spectrum disorder is very different from other disorders, that it has to be individualized. Uh, 
you know, when I'm speaking to John Elder Robeson the other night, and, you know, he's talking about he didn't know most of his life that he had Asperger's, but say you do when you're a younger child, you've been diagnosed with that, that that treatment, and again, that therapeutic approach to helping that child is going to be quite different than, say, my son, who is still looking at schedule boards and we're speaking, but we're broadening it. What I had to do uh, in, the, in his teenage years is bring in our own, our own providers to the school. In other words, the school acts as, as the place to be, but we bring in our own team. And I think that most people, just as if you had any diagnosis, you need to build your team and, mm-hmm. and bring in your experts. Mm-hmm. And we did that. It takes an awful lot of work. But I think it's worth it. I mean, that's that's what you have to do. I think. And and I think you you put that your voice on that was a much better one than I was using. I I think you are absolutely right. Is it is sometimes it is a mix of public and private resources that gets it done. If if the available sources don't have what your child needs, and the parent typically will try to to bring in resources from the outside is that is that what well you do have your school see again you know I'm, i don't want to be too general here because vermont could be very different from other states but uh, your school district at least here will contract with providers we have inclusion in vermont so uh, many of our children are in the same classes as other children it's with neurotypical, nippical, as John Elder Robeson would say. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a lot of states where that's not true. It's it's very separate. However, we might choose for our child to have most of his programming, which is really almost 100%, away from the other children because he can actually concentrate better. And then you might bring your child in for the specials. Uh, we might be doing a circle of friends to bring in the inclusion uh, where we're actually working with uh, the population outside of our, our son to understand autism. Uh, it, it's very, it's very, very different. So uh, when when we bring in our teams, when I say that, we we had the school contract with a team of what we think are experts, and uh, and it, it can be much, much better than what you might be offered for your child if you can get a little involved with that. With mm-hmm. what the school will be doing and, and influence that, sure. Under IEP. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm I'm a huge fan of inclusion. And, and my son has been mainstream since preschool. I know that sometimes it's very difficult for parents to have their ch- children have the opportunity to to be in that uh, uh, integrated classroom. What about, um, which leads me to kind of a next thought about in, in Vermont, what about discrimination? Is is there a great deal of discrimination amongst children with autism and other disabilities in terms of having low expectations? Or do you think that Vermont recognizes that uh, that these children, you know, have the ability to, 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 to learn and to participate and to be included? I'm in a. I, I should really qualify this because I, I don't really want to be the spokesperson for Vermont, but I'm in a very progressive state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, however, I think education has to be ongoing, and uh, I, 
you know, we have the circle of friends, which is not typical. Again, parents like me had to go and find somebody, my case manager, to actually implement a, a circle of friends uh, community for my son. And we're still not there. We're still working with the the teenagers that are his age in order to make this work. So when we say, um, I, I think I we're probably a little bit better off than a lot of places because of uh, the political nature of the state. But uh, I think education is everything, to educate the public. Um, if on your street people don't know autism, and it's really hard to meet somebody who hasn't heard about autism yet. Mm-hmm. But if they say, how should I speak to your child? I mean, it's an opportunity to talk to them about well, make eye contact, and maybe your child is one that um, likes a little noise or whatever. I mean, I have a child who is, I always say he's very Italian. He loves parties, and um, people can get worried about that because they have the stereotype, oh, I'm going to move him away from this because there's a lot of people around. I say, no, he grew up like this. He loves a party, loves observing, smiles, he sings. He's he's very, very social. So I I don't really find that um, right now that there's a lot of bias against our children. I'm not seeing that in the culture. Now, you might have somebody else from Vermont on that might tell you that they might be from a more rural area of the state, and maybe they experience that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And has that that always been the case, Anne, or has it changed this this kind of uh, what what I'm hearing is open-mindedness and acceptance? Has this always been that way, even when your son was very young, or has it recently developed? I think triple uh, E is early education. Uh, they they actually mix this. It's, it's the children that have some special needs, and then you have, again, the typical or neurotypical children, mm-hmm. and they're, it's inclusive, so they're together. So they're... They... I, I found that my son was so welcomed um, and he was a cute little guy and he smiles and, and I remember when he even went to public school and he was in the real early grades a parent came up to me and said my son talks about your son at the dinner table he says he's the most polite boy and I laughed because I said because he doesn't talk <laughs> so, um, so he appears to be the polite boy he's not speaking out and <laughs> very cool very cool. Uh, what about uh, this this problem of bullying? Uh, any? Uh, it sounds to me like that that's that's probably not tolerated very often, at least through your experience. Or have there been incidences of uh, bullying kids in 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 your in your school? Or if you're asking for my experience, I haven't seen any of that. However. Not to say there's not bullying. Uh, I I think I was looking to do a show, and I something came on my computer, and I looked, and um, I, I didn't realize that this boy had committed suicide. It's another part of Vermont because of this. And, and they think now that he might have been on the autism spectrum. And I, uh, I contacted the, the father, was at least six months ago by email asking if I could call him 
once I wanted to speak to him, thinking, well, maybe we could do a show and it'll be very educational. And he had told me he had left Vermont, and for those reasons. And he says, I'm I'm not there. And this guy was very very active, but I thought, well, that's the bullying. I mean, this boy was coming home, and his dad was. Um, teaching him how to fight back, but he was kind of doing it in a way, I don't want people to pick on you. He didn't realize how serious it was. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, somebody bullied him. Obviously. In your uh, in your radio shows or your meetings with, um, you know, educators, have, have you, have, is there anything that, that we should or could be doing to stop this this bullying that that does seem to occur uh, more often than we like to and and very often directed at children on the autism spectrum although i think all kids get bullied yes. and it's horrible uh any, i think it is all is 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 Vermont uh, doing anything to 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 address the bullying issue that you know of I can tell you something that I read in the Burlington Free Press today. I think it was in the Free Press. Um, We have a a fairly large refugee resettlement program, and we have a very, very white state. But our high school has a lot of people from other countries. I mean, it's kind of unique, and I am in a university town. And I was reading the article, and um, the principal from one of the schools was saying, when our children meet people from other countries at a very young age, it's much easier to grow up and not make fun of people and, and more acceptance. And I think it has to start very, very young. I mean, having the talk at 15 might help somewhat, but it really has to start very, very young. And um, they find that there's not a lot of talking about it because what happens is for the differences I'm talking about, when they're very, very young, it becomes just normal that you're different from me. And you're saying with autism, that usually is a behavioral difference. And, there, I mean, people might, or young children might ask, why is he behaving this way? But it's, it's really an opportunity for a teacher or a parent to talk about differences and to have people come in. I, I would actually sit down with kindergartners and uh, without my son being there, to have a little chat about autism. And I brought cups in one day. Uh, they were paper cups, and I, I asked everyone to put them on their ears. And I was speaking, and I said, how did I sound? And they said, it was hard to understand you. And I said, my son's not deaf, but he might not understand everything you're saying. I was trying to use a lot of analogies. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is trying to explain behavior. So he might behave differently than you. If you yell across the room at him, maybe he's not going to turn his head and talk to you. Coming over and and tapping him on the shoulder might be a better way to get his attention and give him a smile. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that uh, some anti-bullying efforts are focusing not on the bully and not on the bullying victim, but on the bystanders. And if the bystanders can also be taught to say, hey, give the guy a break, or, hey, that's that's not right, then the bully doesn't have an audience that he, he or she can feed off of. 
And um, so that might be another thought, too, is educating the children but also, you know, trying to target uh, bystanders also to kind of step up and say, whoa, this isn't right. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of that happening before? You know, it's not my expertise, and I'm probably mm-hmm. bowing out a little bit because I, I you know, I, I can only give you my opinion. I uh, I love to feel like everyone just loves my child, and maybe I don't see anything. He's very protective because he has a huge crew of adults around him. Mm-hmm. So it is his his existence at school is very, very different um, than maybe someone who does not has have as severe needs who actually might be more of a target because mm-hmm. they don't have all these adults around that person. That's fair. And and I yeah. think I'm I'm seeing more and more parents and, and my son too, same thing. We have not noticed any bullying yet and I feel really lucky but there are a lot of horror stories. But I, I have to say that it more and more I am hearing parents saying that their children are getting a fair shot and are being treated with respect by by the children. So that by the other students, which is good good news. Let's um switch to after the child gets out of school. Um what about uh some of your favorite topics like uh, employment for people with disabilities? Well, I early on the first year of doing my show, it was really Vermonters. I I usually actually have people right in the studio. That's changed since Twitter, uh, you know, and I, I find social media so interesting because the first year was really a Vermont show. I would say I tried to get people in the studio because our phones often weren't working right, and um, I did have people on. That one of the shows was entitled, Why Can't I Work? Mm-hmm. And um, this mom and her son, her adult son, came on, and she she has her master's in education, and had worked in advocacy in autism for people of, of disabilities. And they spoke about the struggle to find work. I think he had five hours a week of work. So a lot of these, these kids who turn into adults are sitting at home watching TV. That's what I hear. I'm going to be doing a show next week on adult services, so I'm, I'm hoping, because there's a booklet that just came out in, in uh, Vermont, by parents of uh, adult children with autism, and um, it, it, it is a complaint booklet. It's, it's saying they aren't here, we aren't there, we need to fix this. So I'm, I want to have a show on that. Yeah, I think that's a great topic. I, I know that there are uh, programs for employers who hire people with disabilities. I, I know in uh, I'm a partners in policy making graduate, which is an an, an eight or nine month um, advocacy training program and and so many of these employment specialists talk wonderful things about people with all kinds of disabilities being gainfully employed, and that some of the um the it, it just it just again is to open your horizons and maybe to find an educational coach that can match the right job to the right employer to the right individual um but but that kind of goes back to what you said a while ago which is you know parents and and individuals maybe need a guide or a navigator sometimes for these for these big transitions and there has uh, to be jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you need the education of training, training for jobs. Mm-hmm. But also, if there is any subsidy to the employer, I, I, I say I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there has to be that kind of funding. I, I, but I think most parents would prefer that their child gets the training and education that they can do jobs without subsidies. Mhm. And wouldn't that be nice too to to <laughs> be able to to do that without having to to give employers a, a subsidy? Um, and we we are going to be taking questions, and there is one caller on the line right now in about ten minutes, but. What what do you see as the kind of the next frontier for autism? Oh boy, the next frontier for autism or any other disability. Uh, it's the show has become so eclectic. I, I can't tell you. I actually miss my guests afterwards. I've I've fallen in love with these guests that share so much and educate me every week. Uh, I, I think the next frontier for autism. I'm hoping, and I. It's interesting because of my uh, radio station. I am not allowed to tell you to go downtown and be part of a protest, but I can tell you there's a protest. And it's the same way. I'm not. Um, I believe in autism insurance because I believe in civil rights. I believe that everyone needs, there is discrimination against uh, autism where therapies are not covered and your doctor or uh, practitioner is is saying that your child needs this in order to get better. So I uh, I think the next frontier, hopefully, I think the nation's going this way, but we're we're going state by state. I do think autism insurance mandates will will change the way we look at autism because I I think people will be able to get their uh, therapies and we'll have hopefully more John Robesons around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Temple Grandin. I don't think they're the norm. I mean, I I said that to John. I don't. I I, I think. Uh, I think we still don't see enough people like that. But I do think if you get the help that you need. And the understanding. I mean, as Stuart Duncan says, the understanding and respect. I think that we'll be more accepting of, of the, the differences that people will have, even with therapeutic, therapeutic treatment. They're still going to have differences. I, I I really agree. Do you think we need to have a national uh, law on autism insurance, or do you think... Uh, well, there's supposed to be one. I think Autism Speaks would be better at this, but... Uh, to, to speak to this, but eventually that's supposed to be uh, a national mandate. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now because there's so much going on in the country. But I think that's the idea in three to four years. But what they've given this to the states to legislate uh, for each state to go and try to get the insurance to cover um, therapies. Mm-hmm. And they find um, what, what state was it? It was interesting because uh, I think it was Autism Speaks. Uh, their lawyer Laura Unum was quoted as saying that I think it's below a dollar a month that it would actually cost for the average person with autism to get the ther- their treatment, their therapies, whether it's OT, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. Behavioral therapy. Mm. That's wonderful. In in Missouri, we um, we passed the the autism insurance law last year, and mm-hmm. um, it looks. Uh, I think the what we use was five dollars, but it, it's it, it certainly is not. 
probably not going to break anybody's bank to add these therapies. And I think autism was one of the 13 developmental disabilities that was never covered for services. So mm-hmm. that in itself should say, hey, this really isn't very fair um, that the other developmental disabilities are covered, not autism. But we shall keep trying. Uh, Chuck, do we still have the caller on the line? And, Ann, would you feel comfortable taking a question right now? Sure. Okay. Okay, let's go try and find if our caller is here from the area code 484. Uh, Let's see. Okay, caller from 484, are you on the air? Are you there? Yes. Okay, great. Hello. Okay. Hi. 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 Um, I just wanted to let you know I actually happen to be an adult woman with Asperger's. Uh Uh-huh. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for your blog, um, for the blog chat that you're having right now, your blog radio. Um, It really means a lot to me to know that people are out there advocating for people that are like me. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool to hear all this stuff these days. And because, like, I grew up... um, I, I graduated in like 2007, so um, and I wasn't diagnosed until I was in 10th grade. So my life was pretty difficult up until that point, and even a little after that. But but to be able to hear people talking about this now, and to be able to see the difference that it's being made in changing how um, people see autism and how people um, treat it, and um, knowing that people are more accepting rather than just kind of saying, okay, well, yeah, it, it's just there, you know, what, what are we going to do about it? Um, knowing that people are actually trying to, to help others, it, it's really, it's, I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> thank May. May, you're, you're doing this. <laughs> oh, well, not, no, I think, um, thank you so much for saying that. Our the 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 person the credit really goes to a person by the name of Mary Ann Russo who founded the Coffee Clutch because she wanted to give uh, parents of children with special needs or autism or what what or different uh, mm-hmm. abilities whatever you know whatever uh, we choose to whatever ch- term you prefer um, to to help those parents. Provide their children with good choices and good opportunities, and to prepare them to make those choices. So, I would have to defer the credit to Mary Ann, but but I'll tell you that Ann um, has her own radio show that that also talks to advocacy. And the fact that you're calling in to um, thank us makes us all, and and Chuck, who's moderating as well, and Barb, the tweet chat, makes us all feel about ten feet tall. So, thank you very very much, and. Good luck to you. Did you graduate from high school or college in 2007? Um, well, I graduated from high school, and I, I tried college, but I just I could not make it through college. Um, I, I did one semester, and it just didn't work out. So, um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm still working, trying to find a job and, you know, trying to trying to get out there and see what I can do to, to really, you know, do something in this world and, and not just be sitting at home and, you know, doing absolutely nothing. So... Well, thank you, know, you for it, it, calling in. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And good luck to you. I I, I have a funny feeling that you are going to get there. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, thank you for calling. Thank you. I want Do to we... say so articulate, that person. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Chuck, do we have any other callers on the line? Uh, no, no other callers at this time. Uh, so, no, no, no other callers. Okay. <laughs> well, then we can keep in a little bit more talking <laughs> on our, well, on our you know, favorite topics. Well, May, I know you wanted to really talk about autism, you know, and it's, it's interesting because the, my radio show has really, uh, you know, I had Jeffrey Coturba on, Tourette Syndrome, but it really isn't, it's interesting. I used to do oral histories. I did a television show called Life Stories years ago before I had children and when my first was very young. And uh, I, I find that what I'm looking at is the person and uh I started out, you know, wanting to talk to parents, you know, what's the problem here? And I think that's still important. But I also think that it's really um, talking about life. With Jeffrey, he wrote Inklings. This was a week ago. And uh, I found that you know, the Tourette's is part of his story, but it wasn't the whole story. And um, that's what I'm finding fascinating about doing the radio show now is because we're we're going into the diagnosis but we're also we're we're it's the whole person. Absolutely. And and thank goodness that that people are allowed to be uh, seen above and beyond and and outside of that little tiny word or or label or or diagnosis that they have and um I think that that my son has a has a little bit of the Tourette's and a little bit of the ADHD and a little mm-hmm. bit of the autism and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But he's still an incredibly talented, um, interesting human being, and and I think that's where we need to focus. Because you're not your disability. Correct. Oh, you know, you are the person you are. I think about that with my son. If we were to take away, I mean, this used to be about the whole cure question years ago, and in the early days, oh, I want a cure, I want a cure. And it's still for him, maybe, because he has such severe needs. But when I, if someone were to present, well, it would take away his singing voice or that twinkly in his eyes or that smile, I I would be so dead set against it because this is who he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the diagnosis or if that's just him, but... Please, I, I don't want anyone to play around with his personality. <laughs> you know, and, and in some ways, sometimes I think um, some of my son's quirks may eventually become some of his biggest strengths when he gets out into the workforce. Um, and 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 those exceptional abilities cannot be ignored. And in fact, I think they should be cultivated. Um, but that that's that's again as not I'm trying not to generalize as well but so anything else that we haven't covered tonight and that you wanted to uh, talk you know, about I I I know you wanted to cover autism No 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 we, uh, this is for all all things so no problem and I, you know I you know I I can sit here and name names and all that but I I just I find the whole world and I think even on Twitter, I've met so many great people. Uh, you know, when I'm thinking when I interviewed uh, Dr. Jennifer Gunter, MD, you know, she uh, wrote the the preemie primer, and her story was. I mean, I thought, you know, 
people sometimes will seek us out because we do radio shows, and you think, well, I don't really do that. And then you find out, oh, do you know that disabilities can come from being a premature baby, that there can be a lot of uh, problems that happen later on? And I, I find that the world has just opened up to all of us um, because of social media. And uh, when I was asking Chuck and yourselves if you had even met each other face-to-face, it was kind of interesting to find out, no, but you know each other well. And um, so I'm just thinking the whole autism world and, and doing this show, you know, it went from autism to preemie primer uh, to epilepsy um, and finding out that someone had a lobectomy. It's it's just that we we are a village, and that's what I keep thinking about with with um, any of the educational approaches that we're we're speaking about. Is we are a village, and I think we have to take care of each other regardless of the diagnosis? I I agree. Um and, and we could also maybe we can now now we can truly talk all night long because I think in, in addition to all of the other things that you mentioned, you know, we, we have poverty, we have um lots and lots of things that that people struggle with all the time and um and it is by working together I think we might be able to to help some of these um people who, who are individuals and who deserve to be treated with respect and who deserve all the opportunities that anybody else would, would be able to tap into. So with that in mind, uh, I, it's about time for us to sign off. And, okay. and I, I just want to thank you, Anne, so much for being here. And, and Chuck, thank you, and, and Barb, and to our audience who has joined us this evening. Thank um, you, May. This has been very, very nice, and you're so cordial. Your emails have been terrific. <laughs> well, I, we we try. We we <laughs> want to make sure everybody feels really comfortable here. Um, just as a reminder, next Sunday is all about Down syndrome. We're going to have the president of the Down Syndrome Foundation, Wayne Lindholm, mm-hmm. as well as Holly Walagora. I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce that name too badly who is a young mother who writes beautifully about her journey having a Down syndrome child. And then Wednesday, we have the best of the best for sensory processing therapy, Carol Kranowitz and Joyce Newman, uh, you know, the Out of Sync Child series, um, it will be on. And then before we sign off, I, I in tribute to Marianne, I always leave, I want her to uh, know that we repeated her favorite phrase, which is, remember, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? And with that, thank you all again for joining us, and we will see you next Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio on the Coffee Clutch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.